0: Log Talk Radio.
1: In. We would like to welcome you all to the inaugural show of Run the Point, where we will talk sports and nothing but sports. First and foremost, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Rob, and I'm calling out of New Jersey, and it's important for you all to realize where sports allegiance lie. So I'm going to start by order of passion. First, way, way, way at the top of the chart, the New Orleans Saints. Close second, the New York Yankees and way, 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 way an assistant third, Sacramento King. Now, my co-host, tell us about you.
2: What's up, what's up, everyone? This is Aaron checking in from the Bay Area out here in Cali. Uh, My sports allegiances, let's see, of course, the great Tom Brady and New England Patriots when it comes to the NFL. College football, I have to hold it down with, Florida State, and Bama. NBA, I would consider myself a free agent ever since the the greatest of all time, Kobe Bryant has laced laced them up no more. And uh, kind of a little bit about myself.
1: All right. Now, where we're going to run this show, where we're going to run the point, if you will, is we're going to have various topics. And Aaron and I will... Take turns debating said topics Now the first thing that we want to discuss This evening is The impending NFL playoff picture Now we're, we're getting to that point you know, Teams are making their playoff push So you know, we've, got to, we've got to break this down We've got to see what, what teams are We've got to see what, what the uh, you know, what the outcome is going to be So I'm going to start this off By just uh, turning over to Aaron He's going to break down the, the current division standings
2: yeah, so for the AFC right now, we have those New England Patriots top the conference right now, with Oakland right behind us at number two, with Baltimore at three, Houston at four, KC at five, and Miami at six. Now, I believe the road to through the AFC still goes through Foxborough, and I think in the end, the Patriots gonna lock up that number one seed and get the uh, home-field advantage and make everyone come out there to Foxborough and try and defeat the great Tom Brady. Uh, for the NFC, we have Dallas at one, Seattle at two, Detroit at three, Atlanta at four, the G-Men at five, and those Washington Redskins at six. Uh, I think in the end, Dallas has that number one seat locked up as bad as it makes me feel to say that. Uh, I thought Seattle had a shot at it this week, but uh, with that loss to Tampa Bay, they're pretty much all but done when it comes to getting that home field advantage. And uh, I ultimately think that the playoff picture in the NFC is just going to kind of stay the same. I think Detroit's going to hold it in and uh, the Redskins, as much as it hurts me to say this, they're kind of going to be that last team to get that last slot. Oh, those, uh, those are some interesting uh, predictions
1: there, Aaron. All right, let me, let me go division by division. We'll start with the AFC East. I see no way that the Patriots are going to lose out on winning that division because they've got a two-game lead on Miami right now, and there's five games left. There's no way that they're going to lose three out of five. And you think how impressive their season has been without Tom Brady for the first few games of the season. And also, eh, just tell a check. It's Brady. Enough said. We'll go to the AFC West. Now, the Raiders are currently leading that division. However, however, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to take over the Raiders and ultimately win the AFC West. Why? Defense. Great, a lot of turnovers. And did you see that game against Denver? Alex Smith orchestrated uh, a perfect drive to send that game to overtime. They put the ball in Alex Smith's hands, and he got the job done never thought I'd see that ever, but it happened. And also, Stanford, I've been critical all year of the fact that they didn't really replace Peyton Manning with another veteran quarterback. And, you know, I think that's going to hurt them in the long run. But their defense is going to be hanging around, and the Raiders just share experience. Now we go to the AFC North. Currently the Ravens are leading that division, but, but I think Pittsburgh is going to eventually overtake them. They're getting healthy, in particular Big Ben. You know, he had that knee injury earlier in the year. And Pittsburgh Steelers can score with almost anyone offensively. And Cincinnati, wow. Never thought that I'd see them crumble as they did. They have their own injuries, but still, even before so, they were not playing up to standards, up to to expectations. AFC South, that's a difficult division to predict. But of all four teams, and I'm not even going to – You know, include the Jaguars So of the three teams that are relevant I think the Titans have the most complete team So I think think they're going to squeak in to win that division And as far as wild card Predictions go Raiders, Ravens Um, NFC East, Cowboys Two words, offensive line Redskins, defense, horrible Giants, they've been hot They've been very hot, but I think it's getting to be A little too late Now, NFC West, Seahawks the rest of that division, I just don't think stands a chance. So more or less Seattle by default. Cardinals, I would say that they're probably one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL this season. they been incredibly, incredibly underperforming. NFC North, you know, Detroit, I think they're going to hold on. They're very, very, very battle-tested. I want to say um, all, or perhaps all but one of Detroit's victories have come from behind the victories. I mean, Matt Stafford, MVP candidate, no question about it. Uh, Vikings, they just have lost on offense. Packers, too little, too late for them. NFC South, no, my heart wants to say the New Orleans Saints, but my brain, Atlanta Falcons. Their offense has been unreal this year. I mean, the the running back them they have has been, been tremendous. You know, they obviously have Leo Jones.
0: Uh,
1: forget what their defense is doing or not doing. That offense is just unreal. Wild card. Giants, and you know what? I'll be remiss if I did not say that I think somehow, some way, the New Orleans Saints will get that number six seed in the NFC. That's think, how I think things will shape up for the NFL playoffs.
2: <laughs> no, I, I have to kind of uh, agree to disagree on those Saints as much as I think they're good. I, you know. I just can't see that defense holding up to beat anyone whatsoever. It's like Drew Brees goes out there and he knows it's a shootout from the moment he steps on the field. So if that defense can improve and at least, you know, get a turnover or two, I think they'll be all right. But until then, you know, that, that's going to be their downfall. Come playoff time, you got to be able to run the football and play some solid. Game. And uh, I think that's going to be the downfall of those the uh, Houdat Nation. And what a downfall that would be. I'm not even going to get into the the,
1: the terrible kicking game. They, they've lost three games by either direct or indirect result of blocked kicks, uh, whether it be field goal, might have to try, what have you. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it takes an offense to get into the playoffs. It takes a defense to, to go far. So anything can happen. All
2: right. And uh, I got to kind of, if you had to say right now, your AFC and NFC, you know, who you see in those championships games and who you see in the Super Bowl, who would you have to take?
1: AFC championship, I'm going to go with the Patriots and the Chiefs. Now, of course, we don't know what, what seed these teams will be, so it might even make sense that they'll play each other. But so if, if the, the chips fall, as, as they may, I think it's Patriots and and Kansas City. Oh, Kansas City is a team that's been very, very underwhelming in the postseason. I mean, just to think of last season—the incredible run they went on, then they, they fell short in the playoffs. Even, even years past, pretty much under the entire Andy Reid regime. Very good regular season team. think this is the year that they they go far. I don't think that they'll beat New England, but I'm going to say it's going to go down to those two. The NFC, NFC is tricky, but I would have to go with. the the top two seats at the the moment, Cowboys and Seahawks. Uh, The the NFC is a team that really doesn't have uh, as many strong teams as the AFC does. That's kind of been been the case in years past. So, as of now, Dallas and Seattle.
2: Okay. I think I'm going to throw a not-so-fast, my friend, out there, like the great Lee Corso. I'm going to say Seattle and Atlanta – I don't think as great as Dallas is, I think come playoff time, they got to be able to run the football, which they can do, but I don't think they're going to be able to stop anybody from scoring. And I think that's why Atlanta takes them. I think Atlanta goes into Dallas, beats them, and then you'll see Atlanta up in Seattle with the 12th man going crazy Uh, for that. AFC, of course, I'm taking my pats. And I think, I actually think the Oakland Raiders are legit. I believe uh, Khalil Mack is the real deal. And uh, we got a beast over there on the outside. So I think he, he can cause some trouble for those, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, whose offense is not that great. And, uh, you know, without Jamal Charles, Kansas City kind of is nothing. Um, Spencer Ware is a halfway decent backup. But, I'm taking uh, New England and Oakland in New England in the frigid cold, properly inflated footballs and Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady and I think the Falcons are going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I can't wow. pick Seattle and just <laughs> I can't do it. But uh, yeah, New England Atlanta Super Bowl.
1: The, the Atlanta Falcons. You sure do know how to break a young man's heart. Let me tell you. <laughs> And a, a quick comment on your Kansas City remarks, uh, in, in particular uh, regarding Jamal Charles. Kansas City's been doing it without Jamal Charles for almost the last two years. So, agree that their offense can can be quite anemic, but it hasn't hurt them to this point, at least in the last year and a half, uh, year year and three quarters. Or so. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for the NFL uh, playoff picture. Hey, anything can happen in the next five weeks, five or five regular season games remaining in the, in the uh, 2016 NFL season. Uh, we're going to stick with football now, and we're going to go to the college football playoff picture. Now, right now the top four teams, both – Let's, let's start let's start with the, <laughs> number four, Washington. Go up to number three, Clemson, two Ohio State, and one. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure who that number one overall team is. Oh, so of course, it's, it's, it's Alabama. All right. Now, I really don't see anybody beating Alabama except Alabama themselves. You know, no, this can be said year in, year out over the time that Nick Saban's been, been the coach there, but I think it's Alabama one. Ohio State Clemson, point A and B Washington, hey good good luck if you can can stay where you're at but just take your ball and go home if you don't belong What do you think Gary? You
2: know I think just like I kind of posted earlier today it was getting everyone's opinion it's Bama's for the taking I don't think uh, I think Ohio State has the athletes um, to hang with Bama but I don't perceive them doing anything, you know, remarkable like they did, you know, two years ago when they upset them. But oh yeah, and, and, and you, you
1: made a you made a good a good uh, point there with with the the, the athlete at, at quarterback. I mean, I'm hard pressed to find another another defense that's as disciplined as Alabama is. So if anybody is going to shut down quarterbacks like Barrett. And you know, and, and like like the guy from Clemson, tell them he's to do it.
2: Yeah, and I, you know that's where I think uh, it lies. I think J T. Barrett has the uh, the arm, but I'm yeah, he's uh, he's not a big time enough guy for me to uh, for me to say that he can go on to beat Bama. I do think this, uh, Deshaun Watson from Clemson can. Uh, I think he can do it. He's more of a—he's got more of an accurate passer to me over uh, JT Barrett, and if I had, you know, if I was an NFL owner, I'd definitely draft him before JT. But uh, especially after last year, he had Bama on the ropes, and you know, they were a couple of mistakes away from uh, upsetting Bama in that national title game. So for me, you know, I would have to—I still think it's Bama's for the losing, but uh, Ohio State has athletes, but I don't think they can uh, do too much.
1: You mentioned mentioned turnovers, and one thing that I've noticed about Watson this season is he can be quite turnover-prone. So uh, one turnover can easily, easily be a far, far difference between winning and losing versus a team like Alabama. Uh,
2: And I think – I'm actually kind of hoping for some mayhem. I I want to see Harbaugh. I'm a big Harbaugh fan. Uh, So I'm kind of hoping – for a little bit of uh, little bit of craziness. So the, the Pac-12 game, I want
0: Colorado
2: to upset Washington, and I'm pulling for Virginia Tech to upset Clemson. And that uh, calls a little bit of mayhem and some more, and hopefully Harbaugh gets in. And, uh, you know, maybe that might leave some room for Oklahoma to sneak in out there and, you know, get that number four seed if they can hold surge against Oklahoma State.
1: Well, I have one question to that. Does Bose have enough headsets to supply John Harbaugh for for a national <laughs> national championship game? Hey,
2: Bose, <laughs> Bose stock is gonna go up quite a few points if he plays Bam in that national title game. Too. I can see that headset being supplied quite a few times. With, uh, so quick 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 uh, quick thought on that
1: on that spot of the ball in overtime with the Ohio State Michigan game. What what, what what was what was your what was your opinion on that? Good spot? Bad spot? Bad spot. Terrible spot. Terrible spot. Right. I could I could I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah.
2: You know, and that's not even a bias. I you know, I call you know I call a spade a spade when I see it, but that was just a terrible spot and uh you know, Harbaugh had every right in the world to be upset about that, so you know. Hey at the end of the day, it's a little bit of a uh, you know home field advantage, I guess you can call it. we'll, we'll, we'll call it
1: that. We, we will call it that. Um, yeah, we'll see how things shake up. You know, this this week. Um, let's uh, let's switch gears back to the NFL and uh, Aaron, get us started with some NFL power rankings, if you will.
2: All right. So the power rankings for this week, you know, we have. Those pesky, pesky Dallas Cowboys up top at uh, number one. There's two people in the And uh, I don't know, there's a little bit of something on my end. Those Oakland Raiders at two, New England at three, KC at four, and we have Seattle at five. The only thing with this, my issues and lie, is I think Dallas is the hottest team in the NFL right now, but I just still don't believe in them. Um, if I had it my way, I would actually have Oakland at one because the way they're playing is just lights out and that defense is finally starting to get it. And my, I think Khalil Mack is starting to turn into even more of a monster than he already is. i uh, put New England at two, then I would put Dallas at three, Seattle at four, KC at five, and uh, the Super Bowl-bound Atlanta Falcons at six. Hey, 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 I'm going to have to just limit the
1: number of times you say that in in, in a given 30-minute period. All right, let's... uh, Ah, these, these power ranks, you know, they're 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 so they're so fickle week to week. Um you know, first of all, what 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 do they really mean? what's what's the, what's the power rank? Uh, who's who's to say who's to say how legitimate these power rankings are? But they uh they cause great great uh fuel for discussion. Um my my top uh I'll I'll go my, my top ten and I'll give it a little, little bit of little bit of rationale why for a couple of teams. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put Dallas at one. I'm gonna put New England at two. I'm gonna put Oakland at three, and then followed by Seattle, KC, Denver, Detroit, Atlanta. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go past Atlanta. Uh, I as, as far as, as far as Kansas City goes, I'm I'm putting them ahead of Denver, just behind Seattle, because I if if that offense can just play moderately well, I really I truly think Kansas City can go far in the playoffs. I mentioned earlier that. I... I think that they're going to be in the AFC Championship game unless they play New England before that AFC Championship game. Because New England will will come out on top regardless. Um, and I just I I can't put Oakland at number one when uh, when I when I'm evaluating teams when I'm when I'm doing research when I'm when I'm assessing a team's uh, success that how their season's going. In the back of my mind, I'm, I'm always thinking about experience, especially come playoff time, especially playing on the road, especially playing in uh, tough weather conditions, and I I just I can't put can't put Oakland above Dallas. I I, I just can't. So, there so we have it for the, the NFL power rankings. Any anything else to add to that, Aaron? Yeah, you
2: know, well, I kind of just question some of your because of the, the reasoning. When Dallas happens to have a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back with zero playoff experience, and at least uh, the Raiders, they have some veterans, some wily veterans. And, uh, their offense at least has played in some big-time games and come up big. So, you know, if I had to take my money right now, if I had to put it on, you know, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, I'm taking Derek Carr all day. So, you know. Oh, I mean, I absolutely.
1: Here. <laughs> so I mean absolutely. I, I could I could not agree more. I cannot agree more. Uh, in, in, in reference to experience, you know, I'm I'm talking about teams as a whole, but uh, I I could easily see uh, Prescott struggling in the playoffs. Um, but, but in the back of my mind with Dallas is always that, that offensive line. I mean they they are seconds none. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I see a point with uh, the inexperience of, of Prescott, and that, that would be they want to kill the field. That would be the one thing that,
0: that would hurt him. And
1: if, if you're going to go toe-to-toe, uh, Car and Prescott, I'd say Car 10 times out of 10.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's <laughs> let's get into uh, a whole another sport. We've got to take a little break from, from football because other things happen in, in the sports world. Uh, Let's get into a little bit of, uh, of NBA talk. Um, in particular, <laughs> two of the highest players in the in the league right now, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Are they able to keep up their tear through the NBA? Now, let me first say that Westbrook is by far leading the NBA in triple-doubles. This man has eight. Eight triple-doubles. I'll say this third time. Eight triple-doubles. Harden has three. Uh, just, just a little side note, LeBron has three as well. Um, no other player in the league has, has more than one. No other player has more than one. And Westbrook, once again, with eight. I mean, <laughs> these, these guys are literally walking triple doubles. And I'm clearly going to list just, just as that. Points, rebounds, assists. Harden, 28.7, 7.2, 11.29. Westbrook, 30.9, 10.3, 11.3. This man Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple double on the season. Who, who is KD? Who he doesn't need that guy. Now, the, the question of this of this power. Really, I I I, I could go on for. For, for hours about the dynamic between Russ and KD and and you know, whether he did or did not need him and who the leader of that team was and how, how their dynamic played out in all the years in OKC, but that's, that's not that's not the topic of this particular discussion. It's whether or not they can keep this up. And you know what? I think they can. I think they can keep it up because of the, the talent around them. Not not lack thereof or, or not how talented their players are or the players on their teams are, but but who the players on the team are, the makeup of their teams. Who are the other scorers? Uh, Other than those two, who who does the offense run through? Um, Their offense in general, their offense, team, game plan, and those guys have such a high volume share on their team. I mean, I I don't have the numbers in front of me about how how many shots Harden takes and how many shots Westbrook takes, but... Uh, I'm a benton man, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I am. <laughs> it's just a lot, but of course, hell Westbrook in no. particular—he's he's, been—he's been—he's been known to get a little bit a little bit banged up throughout the season. That, that's that's the one thing that'll that'll hold them back. Uh, what do you think?
2: I don't think they can. You know, as, as great as they're playing, I do not see them sustaining this level effort over an entire season. It's to me, it's not feasible. Come after you know the All Star Game when basketball really starts to matter at that point in time, and playoff seeds and playoff hopes are on the line, and teams start you know close out any you know, trades, and all that stuff, and prime themselves for it. There'll be a whole different beast, and, and I just don't see it happening. I you know as great as those guys are, and as much as effort as they're putting in. it's just not happening Um, you know it's too much stress too much wear and tear on the body Uh, you know I think the days of you know Oscar Robinson of him averaging a triple double for a whole season that isn't going to be happening and at the end of the day too it's because you know they're going to have to get the rest they're going to have to get the breaks it's just a different level it's a different game and these guys they're just not built for it I think if Westbrook
1: heard you say that, he would find you. Walk in the room with some parachute pants and tie dye shirt, and just give you the meanest mug you've ever seen.
2: You know, I'm but. I'm right here in Westbrook's backyard. I'm, you know, he's from down there in SoCal, so hey, I'm up here in NorCal. I'm easy to find, Russell. If you're listening, which I know you are.
1: <laughs> but hey, but more, more to your more to your point. No, just just to kind of. Uh, play uh, play advocate a little bit and and uh, and do your fire pit. Um, when you look at those two teams, and you mentioned longevity and wearing down the body and keeping keeping that productivity up throughout the course of the season, just look look at the benches of each team. Look, look look at the depth of each team. I mean, if you think uh, I'm not gonna I'm gonna execute, exclude Houston for now, but you think of OKC in years past, very very deep team. Um, not so much this year. And Houston uh, Houston hasn't had a deep bench since who knows when. So um them not having the luxury of of a strong bench or you know, even a strong six six men or a strong strong rotational guard to to come in and take uh, take them that load off them, that could easily hurt them in the long run. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out.
2: Yeah, and it's they can't you know, if they were averaging a triple-double and still only putting in, you know, 30 minutes, 32 minutes, 33 minutes or something like that, yeah, but, I mean, it's taking these guys the entire course of a game, you know, the full 48 to get it, and I just don't foresee someone just taking that pounding uh, night in and night out when it's on the line to to get it done. So, for me, I think it stops here come January before the All-Star break, you just start to see those guys just, you know, take the time off and their numbers come back to reality a little bit more. So, so
1: if you had, if you had to pick right now for the NBA, MV, NBA MVP would be, what would you say?
2: Uh, I give it co-MVP.
1: So, so and... I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying at, at this moment, but we're, we're obviously, uh, uh, Foreshadowing a bit, we're looking we're looking into the future. We're we're determining um, how these players are gonna are gonna be performing come playoff
2: time towards the end of the regular season. So
1: at that point, end of the season, all said and done, who
2: you got? I'm going with the unibrow Anthony Davis. <laughs> uh, at, at least we're
1: giving New Orleans a little bit of love today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just. I like what he's doing and I think as a big man and he's definitely come a long way since his days out there in Kentucky, you know, he's developed the outside shot a little bit, you know, he's still working and banging in the low post and there's not too many true big men anymore in the league. And with him being the one, I feel like the numbers and the dominance that he's putting forth right now, I think he can uh, sustain it throughout the year only just because there's no real, you know, competition for him. And, you know, with him being, you know, night in and night out, one of the biggest players on the court, and one of the best, most talented players on the court, I think it makes it a little bit easier than him rather than the, you know, the Westbrooks and Hardens who have to, you know, take it into the paint and get banged around by guys a little bit bigger and heavier than them and take a little bit more punishment on their body.
1: Oh sure, plus he's got the the to, to
2: you
1: know provide a protective shield around him from uh, the the wear and of a, of NBA games. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, hey, I'm
0: gonna
1: I'm, I'm gonna go with Russ. I mean, this is this is a man on a mission. Um, I and mean, this 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 guy could write this guy could write a, a book about his his feelings right now. I feel he's he's uh, he's as passionate as they come and he would love nothing more than not only to, to succeed more than Oklahoma City will this year, which that's a, another story in and of itself. But individually, if, if you can dig an out, shine, KD, and win an MVP,
2: happiest man alive. I do too. Um, so keeping in the NBA, I'm going to go ahead and make some bold predictions um, and say – I think will be in the conference finals and make my NBA final as well. And uh, I think the East is outside of Cleveland which we we can put them in as a lock. I think it's pretty wide open. uh, I actually think I have a feeling I like the Celtics to get it together and make the run. Um, I think with the addition of out Warford and the young talent they already have. I think they can uh I think they can challenge Cleveland. They provide, you know, a little bit of trouble for them. And I just obviously believe that, you know, the East is still Cleveland's to lose rather than anyone else's to win. But uh I'm going Cleveland Celtics out of the East and out of the West. Warriors Spurs again. Um, I don't think this is ever going away anytime soon. <laughs> as long as both teams are messed up, I have zero yeah. face. I have zero face when the Clippers um you, you know, know, you know it's it's it's
1: a man, it, it is a darn shame that those Clippers
2: can't
1: can't put a better product on the court than, than they have in your staff. I it, well, it's better product. I, I you know, I, allow me to to take that back a moment. The the, product is fantastic,
2: but their playoff success has been
1: very, very underwhelming.
2: Yeah, I mean, they just have, you know, I like CP3, and I think he's one of the greatest. He just lacks that clutch in me. You didn't have it. You didn't have that I can take over a game and dominate, you know, and put the team on my back and leap them. You know, ability that you see in the Lebrons, you see in the Kobe's, you see, you know, in the Kd's, the Westbrooks. You know, CP3 just to me, he's, you know, he's just not one of those guys who says rally around me, I got you, um, you know, leads the team. So yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: we could we could probably argue that the Clippers don't necessarily have a go-to guy. Yeah, they've got a they've got a few a few uh in that squad. No question, but you know, when it when it comes when it comes to crunch time, who's gonna get the ball? And, and not only who's gonna get the ball, who, who do you have confidence in taking that last shot? Do you have confidence confidence in holding a lead in the last few minutes of the game?
2: So no question the great. There. Late J J Reddick duke. <laughs>
1: oh man, he's uh he's uh he's he's definitely he's definitely uh, one of the best shooters of of this of this era, but he's. We're uh, not we're not going to get into Duke
2: basketball in at the moment. That 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 may deserve its own podcast, and you know. So, you
0: know. yes, yeah,
2: to talk about the greatness that is Duke's basketball. <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to say no more. Dukes are cut off now. <laughs>
1: as, as, as as far as my picks for the NBA, um, I, I actually agree with you, but a little bit a little bit of background. Um, now, when it's all when it's all said and done. Cleveland is, is going to win the East. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm a betting man, so whatever I have to bet, going toward Cleveland. Uh, as far as who they're going to play, you know, I I, I agree with you on on bosses. I, I really do. I You mentioned Anthony Davis being the most dominant big man, and he doesn't have many people uh, that are going to rival him. Um, Al Hufford's probably one of the most underrated big men in the NBA. And this, this guy went healthy. He's as, as productive as, as they come. Uh, but Cleveland ultimately will take. As far, as far as the West, I also agree with you. I mean, Golden State and San Antonio, I, I, don't, I don't see any teams that are going to beat them in the playoffs, especially not the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers are way too inconsistent. And the Spurs are quite the opposite, probably the most consistent team in the NBA. And Golden State, you, you just cannot overlook the talent on that team, even before the addition of that 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 new small forward that, that signed in free agency. Whatever his name is, uh, it's, say his it, name, it's, it's, it's,
2: Kevin Durant.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, him, him. How'd I forget that? Um, but but either team, Golden State and Cleveland, not not against one another, but Golden State and against San Antonio, and Cleveland versus Boston. In a seven-game series, neither, neither Golden State nor Cleveland are going to lose. Uh, and we, we mentioned uh, the, the prowess of, of Harden and uh, Westbrook earlier, and those guys aren't going to single-handedly beat either of these teams. Uh, but it's a long season. It's a long season. Ho- hopefully uh, hopefully, all these teams can, can play healthy. you know, it, it's uh, definitely a shame to see teams not – Succeed to their potential due to, to the injury, especially injuries to star players. So we'll see what happens in the next few months. All right, now we're going to switch gears back to the NFL. And I want to bring up a topic that uh, may not be pertinent to, to the current times, but something that's been on my mind as of late, especially with a lot of questions uh, surrounding the, the NFL as of late, which we'll get into some of those questions a little bit later. Um, But I want to discuss NFL draft picks, in particular high NFL draft picks, first-round draft picks, top ten, top five, what have you. And the question that I want to present is, is there too much value being placed on these high draft picks? Now, first and foremost, the NFL draft is quite the showcase. I mean, it's on TV. It, It used to be in the radio, so you used to call it year in, year out. I mean, it's this huge spectacle. Um, it, it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, other major sports have nothing like that. I
0: don't,
1: I don't even know, I don't even know what, what happens in the baseball draft. I think the players are just sitting in their backyard and they just get a phone call and say, "Hey, you're going to play baseball tomorrow." I don't know. Now, also, you have the the NFL Combine. I mean, that's a spectacle, no, it's shown on TV for who knows how long, and every every 40 time, every shuttle run, every bench press, every every long jump, uh, every, every sip of water these guys take. It, it's shown leading up to the draft. Then you also have the rookie pay scale. If your draft is high, you're going to get paid a certain amount of money. Now, a lot of teams draft looking at whether they're going to take the best player available versus the player that they need. So, all all those things are leading up to the draft itself. Now, how often does a high draft pick succeed? They, that would entail a lot of research. Uh, that that would that would take up a lot of man hours trying to figure out how, what, what the what the career longevity of a first round pick is versus other picks. Uh, not something that I'm going to take hours to discuss at the moment, but I can't help but think when I'm watching the NFL when I'm. When I'm playing fantasy football, um, when, I, when I'm analyzing the, the NFL, that there's so many late-round draft picks, so many rookie undrafted free agents that are vital contributors to the NFL, the NFL teams all up and down the rush for offense, defense, special teams. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why there's so many of these late-round guys and undrafted free agents that have had success comparatively speaking to, to first-round picks, and particularly let's just say uh, top 10, top 15, top 20, I mean, you have questions about college versus the NFL game, you know, uh, the metrics of the combine versus actually getting out there playing football. Um, is it a matter of being in the right system? Is it a matter of opportunity? Uh, is it a classic talent versus hard work? Uh, one thing that I want to pose to you, Aaron, and I, I really want your opinion on this, a lot of these late round draft picks or undrafted free agents—they're they're coming from smaller schools. Uh, not not even not even a uh, you know FBS schools. You know, it could be you know, D one, aa A, could be D two, D three, whatever. But they're coming from smaller schools. And I went to a smaller school. I went to James Madison University. All right. Uh, the, these teams, they grit, they grind. They're often in tough games. They're often in close games. Uh, versus, let's say, a school like Alabama, a school like LSU, a school like Ohio State. Yeah, they're going to have a handful of games versus top top ten opponents But There's also a handful of games where they're just blowing teams out of the water. It's not even close. I mean, the, the level of competition you know, is it, just not there for probably a fourth of the games played. So, what what do you think about these late-round draft picks coming from smaller schools or, or maybe lesser known programs and And just the quality of play versus one small school versus another and, say, an Alabama who runs through their schedule. What do you think about that?
2: So I think, uh, you know, with that, I look at kind of – I look at Michigan as my example, and I think one of the things that the major schools have over those smaller schools is just one – the money aspect for the facility for, you know, to bring in the high dollar coaches to spend on recruiting uh, is really just the biggest thing. And uh, you look at what Harbaugh has done at Michigan. So Michigan goes out, brings Harbaugh in and in two years, you know, or basically one, you know, with this season still being played, with not even having anybody who he's recruited there on campus has that same team sitting at number five with a chance, you know, to to sneak into the college football playoff. And I yeah. think that's just kind of one of the biggest things of is, is that these smaller schools, they have, you know, not the same budget. They're not getting the high profile coaches in. And, you know, while I think that some of the guys, you know, the top notch guys would stay home and go to these schools, but, you know, if To me, it's kind of like, who would you rather play for? You know, would you rather play for John Harbaugh, Nick Saban, who's been in the NFL and is, you know, coach to where you want to be or take your chance at a smaller school close to home and, you know, hope you get noticed. You know, they get all the TV time. They get all the, you know, the sponsors, they get all of that. So that's what attracts these kids. Um, And it makes it harder for these smaller schools to compete I mean, and every now and then you'll get the Appalachian State to upset, you know, the Michigans. You know, Houston's now got a program that's going to come up, but it's interesting to see how that's going to go now that Tom Hearn has left and moved on to Texas. And, I mean, you even look at, prime example, Oregon. You know, a great top ten school program. Got Nike endorsements. You know, have 80 different color schemes for their uniforms. The best facilities, the best is, Crappy coach. And, you know, where are they now? You know, lost eight games this year or something like that. So, you know, it's almost like an unfair advantage. But, you know, at the same time, it's kind of almost, if you look at it from a business standpoint, it's like, do you really blame the kids either? Because, you know, if I had the chance to go play for an NFL legend, you know, at a coach like a Harbaugh or Saban, of course, I'm going to go take that any chance, any day. Even if I got oh, to sit yeah. on the bench for sure. two years and play behind a Heisman Trophy candidate or something, you know.
1: Now now I, I agree with all those points you made. Now, I I really do feel that that you have you have these kids that that go to to go to these schools. You know, perhaps they feel entitled. Perhaps, perhaps they feel empowered. Um, they're they're used to winning. They're used to being on national TV. They're, they're used to being told how great they are. And then they come to the NFL and everyone else is just as good versus kids from these lesser-known programs who, you know, who knows? Maybe the talent isn't there. Uh, you know, is is a top recruit from, from one school better than uh, um, a guy who's going to go to a smaller school at the end of their collegiate career? Uh, that's, that's a huge question that, that I can't get into. But uh, when you're going to look at all the perks of going to a top school and a guy who really, really had to fight in court, just to even get scouts to come to come watch his project. I uh, there's there's a huge mindset to that. there's a huge huge difference in in how I feel one approaches the game when you're looking at exhibit A versus exhibit B. So just just some food for thought there.
2: Yeah. Um and for me I, I look at it too from a standpoint of you you know, these kids, they can have all the talent in the world, but if they don't work hard, it do not mean anything. Um, and I think you start to see it with some of them, some of those kids. You, I mean, of course, you're going to have your Jamarcus Russells, who are just total busts, your Ryan Leafs. Who? Um, Jamarcus Russell. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought we were talking you know. about how good the Raiders are. <laughs> and... Uh, but I think that's, that's ultimately kind of what it comes down to. You can have all the talent in the world, but, you know, if you don't put in that work, you don't put in that effort, it doesn't really mean anything. And um, I, I think that's where a lot of these draft picks, you know, they fall, and that's when you have some of these lesser gnomes. even though Dak Prescott went to uh, a halfway decent school down hey, hey, there in this, Mississippi. Mississippi, and, Mississippi
1: was, it was they, they were very competitive in the SEC.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and I agree, but I also think too one of the things that um, the NFL teams have to realize is when you get these uh, these top talents in and you bring them in, you like your Cam Newtons and you know they've been in these college style offenses. You gotta cater your offense to them, and if not, you know either a you gotta put them on the bench until they can learn the system, or b you know, you just kind of hope they can catch on and, you know, deal with the struggles. And I think that's um, one of the things that I've liked that I saw from um, the Panthers, which they did with Cam Newton and what Tennessee has done with Mariota, of adopting a little bit of that style of offense. Now, they're not going full college spread, uh, you know, running plays every 15 to 20 seconds deal um, because that just doesn't fly in the NFL. But just being able to put those guys in a position early to where they su- can succeed and build off of that confidence and you know, I think that's where you start to see the struggles with, you know, Cleveland with the Browns, you know, every year they've drafted some top notch guy and you know, just come in and his struggle. They suck. Um, partly because of the coaching, partly because of, you know, the ownership, but you know, they got to find a guy, and they got to put him in there, and they got to build a system around him and uh, give him the tools he needs to succeed. And But, yep. you know, every year they're just trying to find that, that one guy who's going to take him. Oh, you know, we're going to draft this guy, and he's going to be our savior and take this same terrible team and uh, expect to make a Super Bowl run, you know, which doesn't happen. Now, somewhere somewhere in the world, could be here, it
1: could be in a third-world country, Collecting water from a river. Tim Tebow is probably smiling at your remarks there. He Please, <laughs> he's probably probably smiling at the remarks. But anyway,
0: oh, all right. Let's
1: uh, let me let me have you uh, tell tell the listeners why why you feel the NFL has some hypocrisy. It's
2: hypocrisy. <laughs> hypocrisy. Oh no, We're talking about no. hypocrisy. Um. So one of the issues I have with the NFL and the major, you know, hypocrisy that they go through is this, you know, they give, they have all these rules um, and taking all the fun out of it. You know, you can't say this, you can't say that in these press conferences, you can't have on the fancy shoes and the, you know, take away from the uniform can't celebrate after first downs and dancing but if you watch at the end of every week that's their most you know it's it's on a meme it's on a gif it's on all these things it's on the highlights it's what they put out you know these guys are on commercials and all this stuff and I'm kind of like but yet you find this guy you know $25,000 personal foul penalty 15 yards and all this stuff but then you turn around and use this to boost your business. Like if you go on the NFL's page, I believe the most tweeted t- that they've sent out is of Antonio Brown twerking, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to find the guy, punish the guy, but then turn around and use it for your own gain. Like that 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 right there just doesn't sit well with me, and that's you know that's where my problems lie with the NFL is, you know, you're taking the fun out of the game. And, you know, what Richard Sherman said a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the no fun league, they're taking away the personality from the players, you know, and just so worried about their brand and so worried about this when it's like, well, you know, you want to see why the ratings are hurting? You want to know why this is happening? Well, it's right there. These guys are like robots and nobody enjoys watching that. And, you know, you pay them a million plus dollars and they can't even have a little fun. Like, you know. Let's get uh,
1: it together well, uh, for that. Now. now, I'm going to make a, a, a piggyback comment off of that because I'm sure I was the only person outside of Los Angeles, St. Louis, and New Orleans that was watching the St. Jerams game this past Sunday. Tavon Austin had scored a touchdown. Then Kenny Britt came up to Tavon Austin and and made a gesture as if he, as if he was taking the picture. And it was Kenny Britt who didn't even score the touchdown cool was fine for walking up to Tavon Austin, making a, a rectangle out of his fingers, and walking away. I, it, it, it's gotten to that point. Where you don't even have to be the player scoring. If, if, if you're celebrating with your teammate, well, you're liable to get, get flagged for it. Now, continuing on with some hypocrisy, uh, you, you, you made a lot of good comments about the NFL wanting to protect their brand, uh, and then or NFL is, of course, trying to put out the best product that, that they feel they can. So I, to this day, and I'm sure there are plenty list, of listeners that agree with me, perhaps you included, Eric, just I don't understand these part-time referees. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching games, and I'm asking myself, where, where's the consistency? Uh, what is the catch? Uh, what, what is what is catch interference these days? Uh, what, what is defensive holding these days? Uh there's a lot there's a lot of inconsistency in the way different referees and different referee groups that I believe I believe they, they work groups together, you know, there's the head ref and what have you, how they how they're calling games. Um part time refs for, for the NFL. I mean, so many games are decided on on inches. I mean we we brought up the spot of the ball in, in the Ohio State Michigan game, even though that's college, you know. It's, it's football nonetheless uh, and I also want to bring up the fact that the NFL for years has been raving about their technology and all these cameras they have on these wires and, and, and trapeze apparatus as flying across the stadium getting every angle you could possibly want you can hear what the players say you can listen to their audibles you can listen, you can listen to them clap you can listen to them stop their feet you know, if, if they sneeze you're probably in your living room saying bless you but why did the owner shut down the idea of sideline cameras? Too expensive, uh, too much of a nuisance to modify the the configuration of the stadium to install such cameras. Now, there were two games this season that uh, it was evident that they could have very, very much been beneficial. One, the New Orleans Saints and Denver Broncos on that blocked, uh, blocked extra point that was returned for what turned out to be the game-winning two-point conversion for the Denver Broncos. Um, Aaron, in a few minutes, you can tell me if you thought that 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 gentleman was out of bounds or not with his white cleats. And and also, a Houston uh, Texans game not too long ago where DeAndre Hopkins appeared to stay in bounds, scored a touchdown. The referee blew the whistle because they perceived him to be out of bounds. That was it. Play was blown dead. Now, uh, in the Denver-New Orleans game, that was challenged and it was upheld. That he did not step out of bounds in the Houston, Texas game, there was not a possibility for a challenge because the whistle was blown. Um, so regarding this hypocrisy, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with discrepancy in calls and the the NFL really 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 just putting so much effort into into these glorious cameras and all these, these wonderful views you yourself can have as a fan, and we don't have a sideline view of. Uh, you know, sideline camera view,
2: 2016. What do you think? So I think uh, I kind of agree with you, but I disagree at the same time because of this. Um, I think one of the the things the NFL needs to do, they just need to simplify it. They need to simplify the game. They need to make it easier for the refs. I think one of the problems they're doing now is they're making too much you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. They're making it too hard for the rest to call the game. Um, and then me as a fan, I also, you know, I get it. You know, the going back to the Michigan thing and using that as an example of uh, I was cheering for Michigan, and you know, the spot, you know, eh, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like I account for a little bit of human error in the game, um, just because it's. Those, you know, those officials are making bang-bang plays. And, you know, sometimes they can't get everything right, um, which we all want, and it's not a perfect game, and there's still room for human error. So with the officiating, you know, I get it. It's either, A, invest the money in to, you know, getting the necessary equipment. If you're going to make all these crazy rules that you've got to take three steps and make a football move and complete the catch and, and all of this stuff, Or just say, hey, a catch is a catch. He catches the ball. He goes to the ground. You take two steps, you know, whatever. You show some sort of control, and that's it. Um, But when you start to make these things more intricate than they can and not updating or using the technology um, to it, then, you know, you kind of put yourself as a company and then put the rest at a disadvantage. Then you run into the issues that we have now. Um, And so for me – you know, I think I would say DeAndre Hopkins stayed in bounds, uh, from my personal opinion. And you know, I think the, the Broncos player he stayed in bounds as well. You know, I think by the by the little hair of a uh, artificial turf there that they have <laughs> he, well, was,
1: he, he, made, he was he made he made a post game if I remember correctly, I believe he made a post game comment to where he previously, you know, in his younger days uh, took some took some dance lessons, so he had utilized his ballet skills to yeah. remain in bounds. He
2: channeled his uh, inner ballerina that he had. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, I agree. You, if you're, if you're gonna have all these all these nuances that that need to be followed in today's NFL games, you gotta have the technology to keep up with it, and you, you gotta have consistency with 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 the referees that you're putting on the field.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I just think that the NFL is at a, you know, and the owners are all at this uh, this point in time where they got to make a decision on where they want to go and what's next for the league. So, hey, either A, invest the money, or B, just go back to the rules committee and just simplify things and make it easier for everybody involved. So, A, I can look at a catch and say, yep, that was clear, or nope, that wasn't a catch according to this rule, and uh, kind of go from there. I think so, Kevin Johnson and Des Bryant would uh, would agree with you on that. Yeah, Des didn't catch it, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let's let's uh, let's
1: sway back to the to the NBA for a moment. And uh, Aaron, you and I touched on this a little bit earlier, but let's let's perhaps make, make a few closing remarks on on this this particular issue. Um, and that's NBA parity doesn't exist now. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention uh three teams that I consider to be power teams. All right. It, LeBron when he was in Miami, though know, you had the, the the big three there. Uh LeBron in Cleveland. Um he he was he was there and then Kevin Love came along. It's debatable how effective Kevin Love has been or how important he is to that team, but regardless, LeBron very, very strong team in Cleveland and then Golden State even before K D came aboard. Uh, now I'm gonna list the last five NBA champions, Cleveland, Golden State, San Antonio, Miami, and Miami. So the Spurs are very, very good in their own right. But four of the last five NBA champions consisted of LeBron and his power team or Golden State, and we all know how good they've been. Uh, and you and I talked a lot before about how we don't think anybody has a chance in the East to beat Cleveland. We don't think anybody has a chance in the West to challenge San Antonio and and Golden State. So what, what what what's happened in the NBA? What, why is there such lack of parity? Uh, one thing that comes to my mind is when I look at how teams are built, are they built through the draft primarily? No, they're not. Most of the time, teams are built through free agent additions and or trades. Um, you know, free agent additions, obviously players can decide where they go. Um, trades, there's no trade clauses. There's, there's restricted trade clauses there's, you know, what have you. So you're looking at, at the NBA and how, how teams are generally built, put together for the long run, the draft has very, very little impact. It's, it's free agency and trades, And I think this is what's resulted in these these powerhouse teams and this lack of parity. What say you?
2: Uh, I agree. Free agency is such a big deal now um, in basically all the leagues. Um it's bigger than I think it's ever been before, but uh, for me, it's kind of, you know, I also think that the talent pool that we have is, you know, completely different than it was before. So for me, um, you kind of really have maybe three people that you can build, you know, that, you can literally put on any team and say, okay, this team is now a NBA title contender.
1: And who are those people?
2: Uh, LeBron, Curry, and KD. I think you take those three, any three, and you can plug and play and put them on any team, and they'll make that team great and, uh, you know, give them a shot to make a run cause they just have the ability to take over a game and command the game and just put a team on their back and just say, all right, I got you night in and night out. Um, I think other guys have the ability, but I don't think they have the consistency to do it. Um, and no, I'm not necessarily saying you can take, you know, Curry and put them on, you know, let's say the you know, worst team in the NBA, you know, you can take Curry and put him on the Lakers and the Lakers are a contender in the West. I won't say they'll Not win sure. the they'll, sure. they'll win the title, but you know, they definitely are now a playoff, you know, solid in the middle of the pack in the West. Um, and the same thing with KD. You can take KD and you put him in Atlanta and I think they they got a shot now to even upset Cleveland and you take LeBron and you can Obviously, move him anywhere, move him up to Portland. and uh, Oh, hey,
1: you know. hey, hey, bring LeBron, to Sac- bring LeBron to Sacramento. Him and Boogie will get along just fine, I'm sure.
2: Oh, yeah, that will be a very interesting locker room. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, to get back to it, you know, I just think, for me, the parody, you know, it's not necessarily – you know, this team or all these teams building super teams, it's just the fact that we don't, we only got three guys who I can say you put on the team and, you know, that's it. And back in the days we had the, you know, the Jordans and the Pippins and those great, you know, the Barclays and the Hakeem Olajuwans and Isaiah Thomas and all these guys. And I think you just had more of a talent pool than you do now. Um, for those elites, um, I think where the NBA has improved is a lot of uh, the you know A-minus, B-plus guys, and a lot of uh, the role players have improved. So we have more stars, not necessarily superstars. I think we have more stars and more role players uh, than in the 90s. And the 90s was very dominated by the superstars and Hall of Famers and the greats. I want to tell you who the best ball player in the NBA is, in my opinion,
1: Jamal Crawford. That man gets it done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you if I'm being sarcastic or not. So I'm, I'm just going to leave that out there. Now, <laughs> uh, 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 even so, even even in years past, uh, at least in, in, in our you know in our lifetime, um, you think of, of the Lakers in their are and Nobody was touching them. Um, you think of uh, the Pistons, they had a nice little run. They built a, a really, really strong team. Um, Boston had, you know, they're their, their big three. So e- even going back at, at 10, 15 or so years, you, there were really only a handful of teams in the NBA that we could really consider to be uh, competitive and title contenders. So this, this lack of parity is, isn't, some, isn't something new. But I do agree with your point about all the A-minus, all the a- B-plus players, you know, all the role players. Um, it's, it's an exciting time for the NBA, and it's only a matter of time before guys like uh, you know LeBron and KD and Curry age, and we'll see what uh, we'll see what the next wave is. You know, perhaps Carl uh, Anthony Towns. He's a uh, he's a, he's an up and comer.
2: Oh yeah, he's definitely got the talent, so I'm watching him. I'm telling you that team Milwaukee, they they're gonna pose some trouble for some people because uh, they got some length and some athleticism, and they're getting the right pieces together up there. So. You be on the watch out for them.
1: No, I read an article uh, a while ago that in which the, the Greek freak, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, was was running late for practice, or maybe it was a game. I can't really, really recall. And just he, he was literally running, you know, in, in, in the you know on the sidewalk, you know, out in public. A couple of fans noticed him, pick him up, give him a ride to the game. <laughs>
0: Fun story. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I do Hopefully, it was an SUV because he wasn't sitting in the yeah, you know,
2: was, in, the, in the Toyota Camry. No, he's definitely so not anyway. sitting in the Ford Focus. But um, <laughs> so before we wrap it up, I want to talk about uh, you know, one final thing, and that's the, uh, the hot seat in the NFL. And if you had to put your money on a guy, for me, I'm going to say. Uh, Jeff Fisher it's time I don't understand how this guy is still a coach in the NFL I don't you know after 7-9 and every single year I just don't see how teams still believe he's got it I think the miracle run he had in Seattle with the late Steve McNair and Eddie George and and Dyson and the Music City Miracle um, those days are over and it's time for Fisher to go. And I, if he still has a job next year, I will be greatly surprised. And, you know, I think a lot of these NFL franchises get these guys, you know, they give them a shot and they want to say, oh, you know, he's great, he's, done, he's still got it in him. Or, you know, we don't, want to, we don't want to give him a chance, we want to give him a shot. It's like, you know, look at the product he's putting on the field. Look at the Rams. I mean, they're just – They're terrible. You know, they have the quarterback issue of, you know, are we going to play the guy? We're not going to play him. It's like, well, you invested a number one draft pick. What else are you going to do with him? And, uh, you know, and I think the other guy who i got to say has to go, it's time for Marvin Lewis. I'm sorry. I love him, and I think he's a great guy. But 14 years and you haven't won a playoff game, it's time. Like, what is it with Cincy? Like, what else are you waiting for? I I mean, you know, I thought the, the whole goal of the franchise was to win the Super Bowl and this guy can't even get you a playoff one. So, you know, if there are two guys who are definitely time and uh, I'm telling you right now, it, being in the Bay Area, I'm starting to, you know, some people feel some kind of way about York and uh, Jed York and and Chip Kelly who uh, they are both kind of out wearing their stay with the Niners and uh, you're starting to, to hear it, so... I think uh, you know those two between Marvin Lewis and Jeff Fisher definitely got to go, and Chip Kelly and Jed York, your seats are are hot.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I'll
1: give I'll give uh, an an NFC and an an AFC uh, hot seated coach. Uh, My NFC was was uh, Chip Kelly. I mean, it's not it's not working out for you, man. I'm sorry, man. You you gotta you gotta find find somewhere else to go. You gotta leave the NFL, bro. Uh, as far as the AFC, so you mentioned um, Jeff Fisher and just years of mediocrity. Um, aside from his first couple with with the New York Jets, I think it's time for Rex Ryan to hang it up. Assuming the Buffalo Bills miss the playoffs, they have an outside shot. But you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure that somebody will give Rex Ryan a chance, perhaps. On his name and his name alone, but I'm I'm tired of seeing Rex Ryan standing out there on the sideline. At least he, he himself is throwing out seven and nine, eight and eighteenth. But more on this whole, you know, coaching, uh, coaching philosophy, if you will. I, I'm not sure what these what these NFL teams expect if you have such a revolving door with with coaches. I mean, you know. <laughs> It's, it's always a a hot topic uh of locker room culture um, leadership uh, you know, discipline uh, things of that sort how how can how can a franchise instill those core characteristics in a team if every year every two years every three years there there's a new coach um, and we kind of talked about n f l deposited earlier. I mean, the whole NFL disciplinary uh, foundation or, or act or how the NFL carries out discipline has come into a lot of questions. Uh, you know, who should be instilling this discipline? Is it the NFL or is it, is it the coach? Now, how can you expect the coach to, you know, to kind of lay the law for their team if he's only there for a year or if he's, his job's in jeopardy? Uh, so I'd, I'd like more teams to give coaches now. I will point out that need to be coaches that deserve it, but I like to see some NFL teams give these coaches a little, little bit, a little bit more of a chance. As I said, if, if deserved. Uh, what, what's your opinion on, on the, the, the perceived difficulty of an NFL team, or even the NFL in general, withholding discipline and strong leadership, and, and you know having having all these these you know strong locker room if or if, if we have a lot of going coaches? What, do you think that has a big impact?
2: Um, to me, I. I do, but I don't. I think in the uh, the NFL, unless you're a big-name guy, um, and I even think even some of the big-name guys, the players don't really care. Um, your job as an NFL coach is not to babysit. It's not to discipline. It's to prepare the guys. I think those guys got to self-discipline. They're grown men, and you got to appoint a leader of the team To kind of do your policing, Um, because I look at Seattle, you know those guys. I think without Cam Chancellor would be just crazy. You know, you got the mouth of North with uh, Richard Sherman out there. You know the, you know the always energetic, always got something to say. Uh, You know with Pete Carroll you know, his mentality of his craziness and you know you know, I think it's more so on the players rather than the coach to kind of control it and I'm pretty sure if Cam Chancellor told Richard Sherman to shut the hell up, he would. Um, so <laughs> well,
1: well, I well, you had you had you had shoved him you had shoved him the, the, the mouth of the north. Now uh, here's a little tribute for you. There's there's an NFL player whose nickname is the Mouth from the South. Do you know who that player is?
2: Oh man. I I feel like I do, but i I don't know his name off the top of my head, so I'm pretty sure if you tell me, I'll get it. Uh, he's yours truly, Philip Rivers. The Mouth from the South. Philip Rivers, is... wow. Not yeah. who I was thinking.
0: Uh,
1: So uh, Hey That wraps it up for episode one Of of Run the Point Do you have any closing remarks Over there Aaron
2: No I mean I just want everyone to tune in Uh, We'll hopefully have this up On iTunes podcast here very shortly So you guys can come back and listen If you didn't get a chance Uh, It's going to be an every Wednesday night Kind of deal And if you guys got questions Comments want us to talk about something, want to chime in, feel free to call in, post on the Facebook, Facebook group, run the point, uh, email us at run the point 23 at gmail.com. And I uh, look forward to you know just providing my input and uh, getting in a little bit more heated debates with you in the future.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, well, there'll, be, there'll be plenty, of, plenty of debating that. That's for sure. Um, all right guys. Uh, tune in next week and we're out.